Today's scripture reading is from John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we are reminded of all of our brothers and sisters who have gone before us through the ages, we know that countless thousands read or heard the words we just heard. No one who trusted these words ever found them false. Speak to us from them today. Amen. We are right now studying this, the I am sayings that you find in the Gospel of John. And these are those places in, in John where Jesus says things like, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the true vine. And in today's passage, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Now, when Jesus called himself the shepherd, he's drawing on a metaphor that, that had a rich history. Well, all through the Old Testament, you find this. Uh, so in the Old Testament, the leaders of Israel, the kings, the prophets, the priests, they were often called shepherds. Sometimes they were condemned because they were bad shepherds. And, and more than that, in the Old Testament, Yahweh, God himself, is identified as Israel's true shepherd. Psalm 80, verse 1 says this, Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. So God himself is Israel's shepherd. So when Jesus called himself the good shepherd, he's just drawing on this rich, rich metaphor that was part of their history. And by doing so, he was saying some very important things about how he relates to us, to anyone who has trusted in him. I mean, we, we know shepherds in relation to their sheep, right? So when he talks about himself as shepherd, he's talking about, he's describing how he relates to his people. I would put it this way. In, in this passage, Jesus is describing how he loves us. So how does Jesus love us? Well, one, one thing I'll point out is this. We learn here, his love for us, guys, his love is personal. This is personal. Um, verse, verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. 
Now, in, in the New Testament, there, are, there were two main Greek verbs that are, are translated to know in our English translations. One, one of these verbs is a word that just it describes intellectual, abstract, conceptual kind of knowledge. Like, I know that today is Sunday. I know that 2 plus 2 equals 4. It's, it's cognitive, abstract knowledge. The other Greek verb that's translated to know is a word that can be used to describe personal knowledge, relational knowledge. I know my mother. I know my friends. It's a, it's a word you would use to describe um, the, the personal acquaintance with someone in a relationship. And that's the word Jesus uses here when he says, I know my sheep. He's just saying, I am personally acquainted with everyone who trusts in me. Now, if you remember the context, we talked about it last week, and um, this is, the context is where this man had just been kicked out of the synagogue because Jesus healed him. You, you read that in John chapter 9. And if you ever read in John 9, when, when, the, when the religious leaders of that synagogue, when they were interrogating this man to kick him out, they don't really know who he is. They're like, are you the guy that was blind? Uh, you know, you, how did you get healed? Tell us again. And they bring in his parents. Are these your parents? Is this your family? Who are you anyway? And then they kick him out. Like, they're his shepherds. They don't even know him. They're kicking him out of their church, right? Jesus says, I'm not that kind of shepherd. I know my people. I, I know them, right? It's, 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 it's very personal. Oh, you might ask, well, how, how, well, how well does he know us? Well, earlier in this chapter, verse 3, you might remember from last week, he says, I am the shepherd, he says, who calls his sheep by name. Amen, Amen is right. Have you just thought about it? Jesus knows your name? This is so cool that when you pray, you don't have to kind of introduce yourself to God. Lord, I just introduced myself. My name is David. I live in Queens. If I could give you a few details about my situation. You, I mean, I guess you could pray that way if you want to, but there's no need to, is there? He knows you. You. He's known you every second of your life. When you were a little baby, when you, you know, all through your life, he's always known you, believer. In fact, he says here in verse 15, that Jesus knows us, those who trust him, he knows us as deeply and as intimately, he says, as the Father knows the Son, and as the Son knows the Father, meaning he knows he, his, his love for us, guys, it's, it's personal. Now, it, I don't know what you think, but it seems to me that that's a kind of love that a lot of people today are really, really hungry for. Uh, stu studies have shown us that uh, the percentage of adults in this country who are lonely has doubled since the 1980s. It's now 40%. Imagine that. 40% of the adults in this country are lonely. One, one out of every four Americans rarely or never feels there are people who understand them. Maybe you're one of those four. I just like, I don't think anyone really knows me. One, one out of every five rarely or never feel that they have anyone they can really talk to. Just Sociologists are, are calling loneliness just, it's an epidemic in our culture right now. Isn't it wonderful, guys, to know that we have a Savior who knows us? I mean, really knows us. He does not view you, believers, just one, one more nameless member of the mass of humanity. He has an intimate, personal knowledge of 
everyone who trusts in him. He knows us. Everything about us. Now, that's a little bit frightening, right? I mean, most, most of us, there are some things about us that we don't want other people to know. I have things like that. Things I'm ashamed of, things, things that are deep hurts in my life, things I would like to hide. And listen, this is what amaz- is amazing. Jesus knows all of that. He knows your deepest, darkest secret. He knows your most painful wound. And he loves you anyway. He just loves you. So he's telling us here, how, how does he love us? Well, he's lo- one thing, his love is personal. All right, second thing he, he tells us is that his love is, is committed. Jesus, listen, believer in Christ, Jesus is committed to loving you no matter what. He's not going to stop. In, in verse uh, 12 through 13, he, Jesus compares himself as the good shepherd, the shepherd who actually owns the sheep and cares for the sheep. He compares himself as the good shepherd to someone who um, watches over the sheep only because he's getting paid to do it, right? The hired hand. He says, he says this. He says the hired hand is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. You may have experienced love from people who relate to you like a hired hand. Like there's a limit to the love. You know, it's not always going to be there. Maybe, uh, Maybe you had a parent who walked out on your family. Or maybe there was somebody who betrayed you. Or maybe you had a friend whose friendship was just so unreliable. There, there are people who will relate to us like hired hands. You know, when times are good, they're there. Hmm? When times are bad, you can't find them, right? They don't answer your call. They don't return your text. You know, they're not, they're not there. And Jesus is saying, listen, believer, he's saying, I'm not like that. I will never be like that. I'm your good shepherd. I will not cut and run when times are hard. I will not hide myself when you most need me. He said, I, I will be there with you. Is that something? He said, through thick and thin, I'll be there. Now, I think it's important to notice that um, having a good shepherd, all right, does not mean that the wolves will never attack. I mean, so you might think, if I follow Jesus, you know, I will never be sick. I will always have money. You know, it's like disappointment and heartbreak will never touch my life because I'm going to have this good shepherd. That's not, Jesus is not promising that if you have a good shepherd, the wolves will never attack. He is, however, promising that if he is your shepherd, when the wolves attack, he will be right there with you. I wonder if you've ever experienced that. It's hard to describe it, just like you know he's there. Standing with you, fighting for you. You know what it makes me think of? How many of you are thinking of Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. And then later it says, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. You're with me. That's what you, I would just call that a committed love. Nothing will ever Nothing will ever make him stop loving you, believer. Nothing. Nothing that's done to you. Nothing that's done around you. Nothing that do, you do yourself 
What did Paul say in Romans 8? I am convinced that there's nothing in all creation that will ever separate us from the love of God for us in Jesus Christ. So here's a good conversation over lunch today. If you want to just talk about something, we can talk about have you ever gone through one of those really, really hard times and just describe how is it that Jesus made his, his presence real to you then? I was reading a testimonial of a woman who experienced that, Jesus being committed and staying with her in a hard time. Her name is Emily. I hope you don't mind me reading. I'll, I'll read a portion of what she wrote. She said this, Emily writes this. If you had asked me what I was thankful for before September, I would have said that I'm thankful for my family, my home, my job, and for a husband who loves and cares for me, for four children ages 14, 11, 9, 5, who are healthy and happy, for a home I never dreamed I could have. But in September, Completely out of the blue, my husband left me and our four children for someone else. My heart died within me. This couldn't be happening. My, my Christian husband, the one who sat down with our kids and explained that while divorce does happen, it will never happen to us. We made a covenant, a promise to God. No matter what, we'll always be there for them. I sobbed and begged him not to go, that we'd figure this out. Now he was leaving. It's now been six months. My situation has gotten worse. And yet I f feel truly blessed. My husband is still gone, still with his girlfriend. And yet in the midst of all this, I've, I've come to know God on a different level, to see him work in a way I'd only heard about. I'd, you see, I'd never had a big tragedy in my life, never really had to depend on God. I mean, sure, I prayed and I saw God work, but I, I never had the need to rely on God, truly just fall and rest on Him. When, when I needed God's comfort in the past, the image in my mind was me clinging to Jesus and Him hugging me. My image now is me just completely collapsed and Jesus carrying me. And it's awesome. Now, I sure hope that you never have to go through something as painful as what Emily faced. But you will go through painful times. Wolves will attack. And I, and I, I just want to tell you, on, on the authority of God's word, if Jesus is your shepherd, you will experience something similar to what she did. He will be there. You completely collapse, but him, your shepherd, holding you in his arms. So this is what Christ is talking about here when he says, I'm the good shepherd. He's describing his love. He's saying, it's, how, what is this love like? It's personal. It's committed. And one final thing, and this is, the, I think, his main focus. His love for us is costly. It's costly. He says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In other words, Jesus, you would say this, Jesus demonstrates the full extent of his love for us by dying for us. Now, a lot of people have questions about that. I don't understand that. I mean, what, what, what does that have to do with Jesus loving me, him dying? I mean, my wife loves me. I don't want her to go jump off a bridge to show me how much she loves me. That's not 
very romantic, right? I mean, what, what's the deal with dying for us? Well, when, when Jesus says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, the word that's translated for was a Greek preposition that in the New Testament virtually always carries with it the idea of substitution. That's the idea behind that word, substitution. So you could translate uh, verse 11, the good shepherd lays down his life as a substitute for his sheep, or the good shepherd lays down his life in the place of or instead of the sheep. Jesus died as our substitute. If we trust him, he's our substitute. Now, to briefly explain, when the Bible... The Bible means, this is what the Bible means when it says that the death of Christ is, has an atoning effect to it. It's an atoning sacrifice. You see, we all, like sheep, have gone astray, right? That just means all of us, and there's no exception. We've all, we've all failed God. We've all betrayed God. We've all, rebelled, we've all rejected his, his, his authority. And the scripture explains very clearly that because of this, what we deserve is divine punishment. But our shepherd loves us, guys. And so the good shepherd laid down his life for us in our place. When he, went, when he died on the cross, he took the place of all of those who trust in him so that if you trust in him, listen, you don't ever, 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 ever have to fear the punishment or the wrath of God ever. Jesus already took it. He died as an atoning sacrifice. Now, quickly, as I, as I close, two thoughts about that sacrifice. First, it was a willing sacrifice. Did you notice what Jesus said, verse 17, 18? He said, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. So Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going to die for my sheep, and I want you to understand, I don't have to do this. No one's making me do this. No one could even force me ever to do this. But I want to. Oh, but I want to. It's like to honor his Father, and out of love for you, Jesus willingly chose to die. So it's a, it's a willing sacrifice. And then a second thought, this is an extravagant sacrifice. Ex um, when Jesus says in verse 16, I have other sheep who are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. He's, he is saying um, the gospel is going to reach the nations of the world. I'm not, I'm not just here to die exclusively for the lost sheep of Israel, this sheep pen, but I'm, I'm dying for men and women chosen by grace from every nation, every ethnic group all over the, the world. Those are the sheep from the other sheep pen. And I, listen, I find those words so personally encouraging. Here's why. When Jesus spoke these words in John chapter 10, at that moment in history, all right, the Jewish people were the only people in the whole planet who really knew the one true living God. They were, they were the only ones. The, the, um, the rest of us, my ancestors, were worshiping idols. All right? They, so the Jewish people at that time, they were the only ones who had the law, the only ones who worshiped God. They were the only ones in the whole world who were trying to obey the Lord. 
So when Jesus says, I'm dying for those other sheep, you know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm not just dying for people who read the Bible and are trying to obey the Lord. I'm dying for pagans. I'm dying for demon worshipers. I'm dying for idolaters. I'm dying for, he's like saying, I am dying for the worst sinners you could ever imagine. They're out there and you've, you've dismissed them, but I know them. I love them. I'm giving my life for them. And that encourages, listen, when I think about my own sins, ooh, that encourages me. Jesus didn't come to die for good people. He came to die for me, for us. It's just this extravagant sacrifice. He, he came to give his life for people that the ones he was speaking to, they would never have chosen people like that. He is such a loving Savior. All right? So I would just say this. I don't know if you feel really far from God today. Or maybe there's some things that you just feel really bad about. First, Jesus knows. Second, Jesus loves. And if you trust him, he died for you. So I wonder if you've ever, uh, if you've ever responded to the call of the shepherd. He says, I call my sheep by name. Have you ever heard him call your name? This is a very personal thing where you just have this, this sense that, yeah, I need, I need a savior, and I think that he would, I think he would accept me, and, and I want that. And so it's just kind of a, a very personal way of, of acknowledging your, your unworthiness and your sin to God. Just saying, God, I admit it. And receiving, saying, yes, Jesus, I want you. Be my shepherd. I trust you. If you've never done that, you could walk out of this room this morning, your whole life changed. And you still look the same. You'll still have the same problems, still same job tomorrow, still same rent to pay, but you will be so different. You could receive him today. And for those of us who know our shepherd, guys, you know how sometimes you take things for granted? Ah, uh, Jesus is my shepherd. Oh, what a good shepherd we have. We have reason to rejoice, don't we? So let's do that. Let's, would you pray with me? We love you, Jesus. And we love you because you loved us with such an amazing love. We thank you for that. We pray that by your Holy Spirit, your grace would take your love and transform our lives for your glory. Amen.